All right, good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer Around God's Word. It's Thursday, March 16th, 2023. Uh, and our catechesis today will continue in Matthew's Gospel and the associated Zechariah 11 reading. Uh, I'm a little bit, re- been running back and forth because I'm out a secretary due to sickness, a principal due to sickness, um, and so uh, nobody's answering the phone. So we're having to work out how to forward the phone into a classroom, and it's not cooperating. It's not immediately intuitive as to what to do. So, <laughs> and I don't know where the instructions are. So there you go. Um, but we'll I'll resolve my desperate search uh, after our devotion here. All right. Let's see. Uh, If you missed last evening, the service is available online. I know we have quite a few people out with illness that weren't able to attend service as well. So it's just, uh, what do you want to say? What, a catastrophe of errors? I don't know. Of issues? Yes, we had some issues with the sound system too, due to my fault, but uh, so it goes. All right, so let's just begin. Put our... uh, peace in the words lord in the lord of the word the word of the lord word of the lord there we go <laughs> let us begin in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen i believe in god the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and in jesus christ his only son our lord who was conceived by the holy spirit born of the virgin mary suffered under pontius pilate was crucified died and was buried he descended into hell the third day he rose again from the dead He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Memory verse. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 26, verse 8. Again, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 26, verse 8. Our psalm for the week is Psalm 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set the godly apart for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay, catechism for the week is the table of duties, uh, the verses pertaining to what hearers other pastors, at least the first three of them, two more next week. The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 14. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Galatians 6, verses 6 through 7. And finally, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker 
deserves his wages. 1 Timothy 5, verses 17 through 18. All right. Our first reading today is from Zechariah 11. So I fed the flock for slaughter, in particular the poor of the flock. I took for myself two staffs, the one I called beauty and the other I called bonds, and I fed the flock. I dismissed three shepherds in one month. My soul loathed them, and their soul abhorred me. Then I said, I will not feed you. Let what is dying die, and what is perishing perish. Let those that are left eat each other's flesh. And I took my staff, beauty, and cut it in two, that I might break the covenant which I had made with all the peoples. So it was broken on that day. Thus the poor of the flock who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. And then I said to them, If it is agreeable to you, give me my wages, and if not, retain, refrain. So they weighed out for my wages thirty pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, that princely price they set on me. So I took the thirty pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. Then I cut in two my other staff, bonds, that I might break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. And the Lord said to me, Next, take for yourself the implements of a foolish shepherd. For indeed I will raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for those who are cut off, nor seek the young, nor heal those that are broken, nor feed those that still stand. But he will eat the flesh of the fat and tear their hooves in pieces. Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. A sword shall be against his arm and against his right eye. His arm shall completely wither and his right eye shall be totally blinded. All right. So obviously uh, we've mentioned this text a few times already and it's definitely contextual for what we're going to hear in today's gospel. I also think it serves as an important context and I'm, I'm saying this for my own sake, for memory, that um, when we get to the parables of the, sh- of the shepherd and the flock, and like leaving the 99 behind and seeking the one, and, um, that, we, that we take this uh, prophetic word into account as well. Or um, um, the hired hands, right, who leave the sheep behind and then the wolf comes and devours them, right? Uh, this text should be in mind on that as well. Then our reading for catechesis is continuation of the Passion according to St. Matthew chapter 27. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the thirty, or took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. Therefore they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they the children of Israel, priced, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now, At the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished, 
and at that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release uh, to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate uh, said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said to him, said, Why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was arising, he took water and washed his hands of, uh, in front of the multitude, or before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. And then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. All right. All right, so when morning came, huh? Um, so we remember the, the rooster crowed yesterday. We heard that, right? Yeah. And now morning comes. Um, he's brought now for his second trial. And in this account, there's two. Um, this time before Pontius Pilate, right, who is a Roman governor, right? Um, how does Judas react to this? Now he is remorseful, right? Repentant, if you like. Brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. What is he trying to do by returning the money? He's trying to make atonement for his betrayal, right? Um, and he's looking for forgiveness, I suppose, right? But, um, even though it says remorseful or he changed his mind, is this true repentance? Not exactly, right? Because he doesn't turn to the one who has forgiveness, that is, um, the righteous blood of Christ as the payment for his sin. Right? So he throws down the 30 pieces of silver, and then his attempt to atone for what he's done is actually to hang himself, death. What do the chief priests say about the money? They say it's blood money, right? Um, so they can't use it in the temple. Instead, they took it and brought and bought the potter's field with a place to bury strangers. That's interesting compared to uh, the account of Jericho. Remember, they take all of the spoils of the Battle of Jericho, um, the silver, the gold, the iron, and the bronze, and they use that later in service of the temple. In a sense, it's blood money too, right? But different here. Not a betrayal of Christ, but rather um, fighting for Christ. All right. Uh, why is it important that the field of blood become a burial place for strangers? Um, well, that, of course, is a fulfillment of Matthew 28, right? It is the blood of Jesus that will cover for the sins of all people, all nations. Right? And there's another field of blood in the Bible, I suppose, back in Genesis 4, and that would be the murder of Cain, or of Abel by Cain, right? And Abel's blood was shed in the field. Right. And then, of course, we heard the prophecy from Zechariah 11 about the potter's field. Um, you might also, and the blood, you might also consider Jeremiah 18. Well, it's 18 and 19. There's the potter and the clay, and then God's warning is rejected. Uh, Jeremiah is persecuted. Then there's the sign of the broken flask. All right. Um, so you have this, Jeremiah 18 um, also talks about the valley of the Tophet, 
which is the Valley of Slaughter, the Valley of the Son of Hinnom, Gehenom. Remember, we talked about that in Bible study on Sunday. All right, so that's important context as well. But uh, what happens with the, the potter and his clay in Jeremiah 18 and 19, and the flask too? All right, the potter, who is God, of course, destroys the work of his hand, that's Israel, because they had forgotten the Lord, and then, um, and then the nations of the earth will find their hope in Christ. All right, so so it goes. So go check out Jeremiah 18 and 19. All right. Now we're back, to, uh, we cut scene again, we go back to Pilate, right? And Pilate asks Jesus the question, are you the king of the Jews, right? And Jesus' answer is, verse 11, it is as you say, it is as you say. Um, this was answered actually at the beginning of the gospel, this question, are you the king of the Jews? Way back in Matthew chapter 2, that's what the visit of the Magi, remember his three gifts that all point to him as being king or prophet and priest as well, if you like, but we had the myrrh for his burial, the anointing oil. We had the gold, right, fitting for a king. And we had the frankincense, right? So he'll actually fulfill all those offices. Pilate's amazed, right? Why? Because Jesus gives no answer to all the accusations made by the chief priests and elders, right? A guilty man usually is prepared with many, um, well, much self-defense, we'll say. He gets very defensive. Um, and actually, an innocent man would do that too, right? Yeah, but Jesus does neither. He's silent. All right. And then we have this uh, this notion of releasing a prisoner, right? Um, this is the governor's custom at the Passover feast every year. I think the context for this is that each year uh, at the Passover, there's often a rebellion and somebody claiming to be the Messiah, the Christ, um, ever since Judas Maccabeus and his revolt at the Passover. So, uh, um, release a prisoner, you know, appease the mob, in other words. Barabbas, of course, is interesting. He's a notorious prisoner. Luke tells us that he uh, had committed insurrection and murder. All right. Now, Barabbas, of course, Bar, Abba, you know, Abba means father. Bar is son of. So he's son of the father, of course. Who is his father? Not God, but maybe, um, maybe of Satan, or you might even say of his sinful father, Adam, right? I like that because Barabbas is the one, Jesus takes Barabbas's place, right? So Jesus takes our place too. Jesus has come, a son of the Father, to exchange places with all sinners, all the sons of Adam, and be punished in our place. Right? Um, why did the crowd hand over Jesus? He actually says here, doesn't it? Where does it say that? It's out of envy. Release for us Barabbas. Yeah, where was that? Oh, I missed it. Oh yes, verse 18. For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy, right? Um, Pilate's wife also sent a message. <laughs> while he was sitting on the judgment seat, have nothing to do with a just man. He's, she'd suffered many things uh, because of a dream, right? It's, it's just a interesting note from Matthew. Uh, whom did the crowd want released? Of course, Barabbas, right? They wanted him, Jesus, to be crucified when Pilate asked them. Of course, Pilate then asked the question, you know, what capital offense, what evil has he done? And uh, of course, he's done no, no evil, right? Um, by the way, this exchange language, right? Uh, Barabbas for Jesus is has a technical name uh, dogmatically in our tradition. Actually, I think most Christian traditions, it's called objective justification, right? Or substitutionary atonement or um, the blessed exchange um, or as I learned it from uh, Pastor Brent Kuhlman, the sweet salvation swap. <laughs> sweet salvation swap. The kids like that one. It's easy to remember. 
Right. Um, here you might think of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I mentioned this yesterday, right? A uh, famous passage from Luther um, where he says that Jesus became the murderer and um, the thief and the adulterer and the fornicator. They, he, he became sin for us, right? Which is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Right? It's scandalous to hear um, that Jesus would become all of those things in the eyes of the Father, but he does so by taking them upon himself, um, taking them away from us, forgiving us. Right? So in the death of Jesus, the sins of the whole world are charged um, to his account in order that his righteousness might be credited to this world. Right? Forensic, you might say too. Right? The courtroom language. All right. Then in verse 24, Pilate does something interesting here. Of course, he washes his hand. Um, declares himself multitude before the multitude is innocent of this just man's blood and then hands Jesus over to them. Um, I like how one lawyer um, that I like to hear commentary from, he describes this as the the Pontius Pilate defense, which is very common today. Um, There's two uh, um, legal dogmas in our country that are used to avoid actually um, passing sentence, but then ends up just handing people over to the mob. Uh, one is called the doctrine of latches, and the other is called standing. Latches and standing. You don't need to know too much about this. Uh, but standing is um, uh, can be used like uh, when too much time has passed. Or no, when not when too much time. That's latches. So um, uh, anyway, and judges today, very often in, in less savory matters, like say election disputes, don't want to judge. And so they use the Pontius Pilate judgment. I don't want anything to do with this, so we're going to say it's standing or it's latches. And I'm just going to, we're just going to let it be. I mean, the court's not going to get involved. All right. Um, but in by not getting involved, they are just as much passing judgment as what happens to Jesus here, right? Judgment is passed against him as well by handing them over, him over to them. Um, of course, how are we made innocent by this man's blood? Connected to water, blood and water connected here, right? With Pilate. Yeah. In baptism, uh, we are washed by water in the word. Um, then the people cry out, his blood be on us and on our children. One of these level, lo- lovely examples of double entendre, right? French, double entendre, double meaning. Right? Yes, they are guilty of this man's blood, for they have sentenced him to death by crucifixion, right? Um, and that's all repentant sinners confess that, of course, um, as well. But they also believe that his blood is being poured out in baptism and in the Lord's Supper, to be declared righteous for Christ's sake. That's all. that's what we believe. They, of course, don't. Not at this point. Um, God willing, some of these who cried out for his death uh, will repent and be baptized on Pentecost, right? All right. And then finally, they he hands over Barabbas to them, and he takes Jesus and scourges him and delivers him to be crucified for no good reason, simply to appease the mob, right? To persuade the multitudes, right? Whew. Jesus tried to take, or excuse me, Judas tried to take responsibility for his sin upon himself and pay the price for condemning innocent blood. The way of repentance is to cast all one's sins upon Christ, who has paid our debt uh, of guilt under the law. Faith rests upon the fact that while we cannot pay the debt, Christ has. Our Lord has exchanged places with us, the innocent one trading places with the guilty, that we may be declared innocent for his sake. The Son of Man came to take the place of the sons of men and suffer in their place. This is vicarious or substitutionary atonement. Though we are guilty of his blood, he has freely placed he has freely placed that blood upon us in the washing of holy baptism. 
that we might be declared innocent by the judge before the whole world. All right, let's sing our hymn, May God Bestow on Us His Grace. Let us pray. 
O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O Lord Jesus, we give thanks to you for the gift of pastors who preach your saving gospel and administer your life-giving sacraments to us. Crucify our flesh and destroy all impenitence and unbelief in us so that we who have received faithful instruction in the word of God might provide generously for the support of our pastors. Teach us to believe that our pastors who faithfully sow the seed and tread out the grain of your word are worthy of their wages and are entitled to reap from what they have sown. Teach us to believe that preaching and teaching your word is the most important work that our pastors do, so that we might honor and support them in this work, live together with them in the peace of your forgiveness, and hold them in the highest regard in love for the sake of the gospel. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for the church and her pastors, for missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, musicians, and other servants of Christ in his church, for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. We pray this day with Ashton, Paige, Kaylee, Aaliyah, Carter, all celebrating birthdays, um, we pray for the households of our church, especially Ashley, Marlene, Kevin and Mandy, Jeff and Julie, Brian and Jim. Give thanks uh, to God for the gift of life for Amalia Renee and commend her to the waters of holy baptism. We pray for the ba- uh, in thanksgiving with the baptism of Frida Lynette. We pray for our catechumens. We pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Joe, Kelsey, Walt, Christopher, Brad, Betty, Doug, Joan, John, Hosea, Pat and Richard. Our homebound Marcella, Dan, Paul, Merlin and Pauline, missions and mercy work of the church, especially Camp Luisimo, and for all those afflicted and those who are suffering, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, it's been a joy to have you with us here again for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to you each morning at uh, 9 a.m. or so, and uh, we'll pray together again tomorrow. Tomorrow, school's out, so which I think they'll all be um, happy for, an actual school work day, uh, given the difficulty and the stress of today, having only... Uh, three of our teachers present and no secretary. So, uh, uh, well, that's not true. We have four, but one is downstairs, uh, early childhood. So in any case, um, yeah, keep them in your prayers. And those of you who are ill at home as well, I see Don's there. I hope you're getting better, better Vicky too. Um, I hope you're feeling better as well. So God be with you all. Keep you safe. Um, get, give you healing if needed. And I hope to see you in person again soon. God be with you all.
We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.